Welcome to the Running Back Podcast. I'm your host, Indy. Um, <clears throat> I'm with my co-host, Brendan Donnell of Spring Arbor University, currently there as a sophomore. He uh, just currently became a national champion. Um, played for my former AAU program that I run with Chase Sanders. Uh, Total Package Elite. Just came off of a tournament weekend today, actually. We uh, played up in 17s. Went one-on-one in pool play. Ended up uh, going to the championship round, playing Indy Heat Red, a a solid team in the area. Um, Gave them a good game. Ended up losing by by 20, but we're 16, nothing to worry about. Um, I'll have Brandon introduce himself a little bit. I know I said some things, but he's here right now in the pod. What's up, guys? Uh, My name is Brandon Durnell, as he said. Uh, I graduated from Homestead High School, uh, go to Spring Arbor University, like he said. Uh, I'm a sophomore. Um, uh, I'm also helping out with TPE and played for TPE. So, you know, I'm in the the basketball scene, uh, not only in college hoop, but in the area. So uh, my goal is just to give back any way I can to the next generation of basketball players. And I want to do that in any way I can and help them accomplish whatever their goals are so I'm here to be a helping hand to the kids and whatever it is they want to work on or want knowledge about I hope I can fill them in and uh, help them get where they want to go um, the podcast is going to be about a lot of stuff that's hoop related basketball related as as you folks will start learning on the lingo um, I do a lot of local stuff so anything in Indiana Today will be about a lot of local things going on, AAU things, as well as collegiate, depending on what goes on during the year, as the year goes by, as well as uh, AAU season. Some tidbits for your kids or anybody listening, coaches, players, uh, family members, to do in the off season or what to see in the future, depending if you're a freshman, an eighth grader, sophomore, junior, senior. So let's go ahead and get right into the first question I got. We're going to be talking about um, high school basketball. It just ended this year, um, probably a few months ago in Indiana. Um, congratulations to Blackhawk Christian High School. They uh, won the state championship, went ahead and got reclassified up to 2A. Um, they're a very good program. Been to state, been to semi-state two years in a row, back-to-back. Um, have produced some really great players. Russell Bird is one of them. Uh, used to play at Michigan State. Um, but onto the topic, one of the biggest things in high school basketball in Indiana here is we don't have a shot clock. And the thing with the shot clock is I see a lot of places in USA, preferably in the West Coast, that gets a lot of coverage. The East Coast gets a lot of coverage where there's a shot clock, as well as college of all levels, even D3, NAIA, and the NBA. There's there's college at, there's shot clock at every Every level, 30 seconds. Even the girls have a 30-second shot clock. And I want to know why some coaches think that it's not a great idea to have a shot clock and why um, why is it not beneficial to these players. I mean, every there's a lot of players that come out of Fort Wayne every day or every year that come to those collegiate levels, and we produce really good talent. However, I just feel like we can produce more talent if they're able to play at that pace right from the get-go because we are Indiana. We are basketball. When you talk about basketball, Indiana loves all types of basketball. Um, 
And I just don't understand why coaches aren't for it. They say it's not it's not good for the game. It's not pure. But you're remember, you're coming in and you're a freshman in college. Next thing you know, you gotta adjust the shot clock, you're doing all this and that. If we could take that adjustment period out, like the game would be smoother and we would get more more players with skill. Um Brandon, he, he plays here. He had played here for four years, and uh, he went to Spring Arbor, like I said, and he got a national championship. But I'm pretty sure you can elaborate more on that. So, Brandon, tell me what it, tell me what do you think about the shot clock situation here? Well, I think most coaches who are on the side of we shouldn't have it are the same coaches who say, oh, well, that's how it's always been played, or that's how basketball always been played. But I think we have to have a willingness to be able to adapt to new skill sets and be able to learn and grow from from whatever it is that's going on. And I mean, I can make an analogy, I guess, to the three-point line and how that was introduced. I actually looked it up in 1979, and I'm sure coaches at first were like, well, we've never played basketball like this before. Well, the game adapts, and people get new skill sets, and people are trying to adapt and whatever it is they want to adapt to. And with the three-point line, people are – becoming better shooters and now we see that the three-point line is one of the main keys in today's game I mean there are so many three-pointers being shot right now and I think that the thing that's separating um like division one division two division three college is that in-between game that mid-range game and when you have a shot clock you'll be able to see more of that and since we don't have a shot clock, you see a lot of coaches that only say three-pointers and layups or post-ups, post but we don't really get to see that mid-range game, that pull-up game. And I think with a three-point line, people will be able to show that more and create off the dribble. And I just think of our national tournament run, we hit so many shots at the end of the shot clock. And if you can introduce that into high school, it just changes the game completely. It adds a new element that I think only helps players. And I think players want to get to college and get the scholarships. Well, coaches will be able to see more of a player's skill set because if there's a shot clock, the game, uh, it looks a lot like the college level. And I think that's the most important part. I mean, when you think of basketball now and people, I mean, when you're playing basketball here in Indiana, all these players are wanting scholarships. They're hungry, and they want to get that Division One look. And if they're not getting that, they want to get the D2, the NAI. They just they want to get a scholarship. They want to get money so they can get a degree and do stuff after college, but they can hoop too. And coaches want to see that in-between game or what players are going to do to make decisions, and there's going to be more playmaking, more decision-making in that in-between game if there was a shot clock. So I think, I think that those are the big things when I think about the shot clock. Um, I also think like one of the biggest things is it's not only just offense, but it's defense. Mm-hmm. Think about many times where you, you know, you're relying so much on that five second call. Well, if we're worrying too much about a five second call, you know, why don't we worry about how long the possessions are? Like there's so many times where I've seen this year um, there was a team that's no that holds the ball as much as they can and it's a very low scoring game and think about all these parents coming to these high school games and people coming out to look and everything they're paying seven eight nine dollars a pop that might not sound a lot to a lot of people but i mean at the same time it adds up if you're going to go see your kid or um, you have a lot of fans that support the program and you're only scoring 
30, 40 points a night, you know, and you're supposed to have a D1 recruit on there, you know. We want to see entertainment at the end of the day. Um, and we want to make sure that defenses are rewarded because think about it, you sit for four, three swings, and, you know, you get you get tired, and they're still holding the ball. I mean, you're not getting rewarded for good defense. How are you getting – offense can always hit a tough shot at any time. However, if they can't get a shot up within a certain amount of time, you know, they're not – excuse me. They're not um, – wow, I lost my train of thought there. Um, wow. Let me think about that for a second. This is crazy. <clears throat> Defense isn't getting rewarded, so I don't know if – let me go back on that. Defense isn't getting rewarded within that 30 seconds, 35 seconds it is. Even if we had to push it to 45 because we keep you keep moving that ball, you know, defense is just getting bailed out if a team hits a tough shot and they can't they sit down for four or five rotations and that's not good basketball defensively. It shouldn't it shouldn't just be an offensive game. It should build both ways. If you can't create on offense because the defense is so solid, we have to reward the defense somehow. You know, there's there's so many people that um, love to just hold the ball and swing and swing and swing and swing and pass up so many shots, but they want their players to get better to do what? So they can swing the ball, you know? Um, I think with the shot clock, it goes both ways. People can play defense, get rewarded for playing defense, but also you can see who, like Brandon said, whose skill sets are just as good. Um, that can give you instant offense because at the end of the day, the game is only about putting the ball in the hole. Who can put the ball in the bucket multiple times? Um, if you can do that, regardless of the defense, you win the game. Um, and I really think we should have it. We have so many, so much talent here. We have so much potential here. And if we have that, not only will our defenses get better because it'll it'll encourage coaches will encourage sitting down playing defense rotations being ready to um, close out as hard as you can, but as well as offense where I want that guy that can give me a hesitation bucket a bucket at the end of the shot clock somebody that's just oh the play's broken down let him create because that's something that's part of the game and I feel like when it's here in the state it's not part of the game. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think another thing is, the more I'm thinking about it, is some of these high school coaches have such a big ego, and you see it on the AAU circuit, too. I mean, sure, some coaches, like, they just want to win, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win, but I don't think coaching is all about winning, either. Like, you, you want to do it for the players, and holding the ball is doing nothing for the players. It's not helping them get scholarship. It's not helping them get better. They're not having – if their goal isn't to get a scholarship, they're not even having fun when you're holding the ball. So so how does that – how does holding the ball help anyone but you? Correct. And it's it's all about the coach's ego. And, and when I think about defense, you can't even go zone anymore because mm-hmm. when teams go zone, all coaches – and we get caught doing this too as, as coaches. Yeah. But, I mean, it's because there's no shot clock. Yep. And you got to play to your advantages. You got to play to your advantages. Right at the end of the game, you can't even go zone and give the other team another look because you they can just hold the ball at the top. And I think that that changes the game completely when you add a shot clock and you can throw different defenses and you don't have to sit in a zone and watch the other team just dribble, dribble, dribble. I mean, I I think of the Homestead Northrop game when I went this year. Northrop just pounded the ball because Johnson was in a one three one his classic one through one that he loves to run. I mean, that would be much more effective if there was a shot clock. So 
Another thing with that song, I got a funny story is uh, this happens multiple times. So let's start with the first story. I remember a long time ago, my first year coaching AAU with uh, this 2021 class. We are playing a team from Indy. I believe it's a very good, very good team. Um, they were uh, down seven or eight points, ten points or something, and we held the ball. And they didn't like that, but they were so stubborn. There was no shot clock in our AAU circuit that we held it. And there was another possession where we held the ball for almost four minutes. I'll pull up the footage for you guys. It's on YouTube, on the Gym Rats channel, on also a channel called Jeremy Hamby. He films a lot of our games. There was a game where we literally held the ball till it got to the last minute because the coach was sitting in the 2-3 zone and we were up or it was tied and he didn't want to move. He didn't want to come out. And... Like, sitting in the zone does not, and you holding it, does not reward your defense. Like I said, you want to play good defense. You want to get the ball back. But if a team can just zone up on you and you're up, you know, because you can't shoot, um, why would why would I shoot it? If I'm up 10, there's, there's 10 minutes left and you're not pressuring, I'm going to pull it out and play to my advantages, like Brandon said. There's also... An, Another situation where uh, in our other uh, another AAU game where they sat in the zone and we were we were uh, it was going back and forth it was a close game they were playing it we were playing a year under us I don't know if you were here but um, one of our friends Coach Chase he uh, played one of his colleagues Keon Brooks Senior um, you guys probably know that name Keon Brooks Junior he's going to Kentucky I believe great player plays at Lalu. Um, but his team, his younger brother, was playing up. So one time he uh, he held the ball in the zone, and Keon said, he said to Coach Chase across the court, I'll never forget, he said, Chase, they're underage. What, why are you holding the ball? Are you scared? He said, why well, I got to shoot? We're up. Why we got to shoot? And they never came out the zone until they were like, wow, he's right. You know, we don't get rewarded for just sitting here being ignorant, being stubborn. So, like I said, I believe that it's beneficial all the way around. It doesn't have to be 30 seconds. Um, in NAIA, is it 30 seconds? Yes, it's 30, yeah. So, it doesn't have to be 30. I mean, girls girls D1 are 30, but, I mean, girls D1 is a completely different skill set. I mean, guys here aren't that great. But, I mean, as it, as people get used to it, it'll get better. It can be 40. 40 seconds is long enough to play defense. Maybe too long. 35. Go back to the old college ways, you know? Um, the game's always constantly evolving. evolving. The three-point line's going back. So I think with high school, it has to catch up to what is shown on TV because we try to emulate what's on TV, and we can't, whether that be college, whether that be NBA. Um, my second question about high school is uh, what do you think is personally wrong with some things in the area, whether it be how it's coached, how it's uh, taught of the game, or like skill development? Well, I think one of the main problems I'm seeing in the area right now is a lot of transferring. And I don't and and that can go bad from either side, the school, the coaches, or the players. I just think we have to find a way where I mean, there's some situations where I get where you have to transfer and there's stuff like that, but we have to find a way where there is taught some form of commitment or some form of integrity or something that we can just get these players at one school and get these players and coaches on the same page because all this transferring and all this moving, it's caused a lot of drama in the city and it's caused a lot of relationships to be broken. And when I think of basketball, something that's really important to me is the relationships that are built. 
and the people that you surround yourself with. And I think that's super important. But all this transferring stuff is causing a lot of drama in the city and it's breaking a lot of relationships. How do you feel about transfers as far as somebody that didn't play for their team? And uh, let's say they were a freshman. They didn't play for their varsity team. They didn't. They only played freshman, and they won't. The coach won't release them, or the AD won't release them. How do you feel about that? Again, I it really bothers me if a player really wants to transfer, and a coach or a school will not release them. Again, the goal of a coach, sure, you're not the one that's actually going to be coaching them or whatever if they want to transfer. But the goal of us as a basketball community is to get these kids where they want to go. And if these kids want to transfer and to be able to play and to be able to show their skill sets, if they want to get to college, you got to release them and you got to let them go play. And I just think that that's super important to us growing as a city and as a community is us just allowing these kids not. I mean, I don't want to give the kids and the parents so much power. Like, I think there has to be a reason there's they're transferring and they have to they should have to like write a statement or something Mm -hmm. that that is like a big reason why they're because we do we have to teach commitment and that's super important to me is commitment 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 remember this guys this is this is for our area in indiana northeast indiana northwest ohio i know people transfer all the time in other other states around the nation stuff so just remember that this is about our area yeah and i just so like if the situation is super bad or whatever and you write something out or even if there's like an IHSA meeting or something, but I just think there's got to be a way that we can work together and make this, make this a unified thing that, that people aren't breaking bonds and relationships over just a game of basketball. Um, how do you feel about officiating? I know that Brandon also officiates. He's licensed. I used to officiate. I used to be licensed as well. Um, I believe that some officiating there there's need to, there needs to be there's a rule book for officials but it's not it's not very consistent from person to person. I think there needs to be more classes, more classes that everybody has to go take to uh be on the same page. I also think there should be some type of restricted area cuz it helps with that block charge call. That's the big thing like and the hand checking, man. Like there's times I got a, a friend that coaches at Carroll High School. His name's Alec Hammond. He uh, also has a podcast, but there's a possession uh there was a time before the game, head ref, head ref, head official said uh hey coach, we're not going to um we're going to let him play tonight. You know, we're going to let him play. Everybody's in the meeting. Everybody's in the meeting, both coaches, all the officials. Other official doesn't say anything. Tip ball comes up. His team went, His team loses the tip. They're on defense. He puts one hand on him. The other ref calls a foul. And he's going crazy. He's losing his shit. Um, and he said, I thought you said we're not calling it. And the ref had an ego. He said, that's what the other ref said, but that's not what I said. You know, it's too many... Too many people that think they have that power, you know, where it's like, I'm not trying to better the game. I'm just trying to get paid. I'm just trying to just do this because this is easy money or this is like lack of communication amongst other officials. Like, what do you think about the officiating here? Well, listen, officiating is hard and I've been doing it for about two years. It's really hard, but I think that uh, a lot of officials do have that ego 
And if you have that ego, man, it's not helping anybody. We talk about coaches helping the players. These referees have to help the players, man. And they got this is not about them. You are here to control the game and call the game by the rules. But this is not your show. This is the player show. And a lot of these officials think it's their show. Just because you have that power and that whistle in your hand doesn't mean you take that power. The power... And the game should be all about these players, man, because that's the product that we put on the floor as the player. We don't put these refs out there to blow their whistle and do these hard motions and pointing and this is my show, my show, my show. No, this isn't about you. This is about the players and this is about them having fun or them getting to where they want to go, like I said before. And I'm with you. I think, to be honest, it was a lot it was very easy to get my refing license. And I'm I mean, I'm around the game and stuff, so I like officiating and I think I think I do an okay job. I don't try to have that ego or whatever. But I I wish it was harder for me to get an officiating license. I agree. Because it is super easy and you see these people who want just this little side cash and stuff, well I think it should be much harder, man, because if you want to commit to officiating, it's hard. And these classes, I think, will really help just someone teaching these referees how to officiate and how to control game. I have a I have a story about refing from this weekend, and I'm sitting – if you've ever been to Spies, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast and you're a basketball fan, you've been to Spies. I'm between court two and court three, and I'm watching a game on court two, and behind me I just hear this ref – yelling at these coaches and apparently he missed a call I didn't see the play whatever this could have been settled easily the ref if the ref didn't have an ego he could have said coach I probably missed it and coaches do appreciate that if a ref comes over and he's like look I probably missed it uh I'll try and get the next one like it's just that simple for sure yeah and yeah I mean I'm sure the coach is still going to be mad about it but it definitely helps us but no this ref had an ego and threw two assistant coaches out not even not even with technical. Didn't even give a technical. He just threw the two two assistants out. And then the head coach, uh, his name's actually Randy Kindig. It's a good family friend of mine. Gets up in the rest face and wants an explanation, which he deserves. He just threw two coaches on his bench out. And the ref th- ends up throwing, I think, Coach Kindig out and got, said, this game is over with a minute left in the first half. And it was a four-point game. Who does that help? It helps nobody. Helps nobody. These players don't get to play another half of basketball. This is a (laughs) four-point game that could decide the seeding of the tournament. There's college coaches. This is 17s, so seniors to be in high school. This is with college coaches. And they don't get to play their second half because this ref has egos. And the worst part about it is it's the last game of the day. So these refs get to go home a half early because they have an ego and they want to call the game. And they're paid. And they are paid for this game. I don't know if you this guys... Is, this is ridiculous. I hope that they figure, or heard about this story and did not pay those officials because they do not deserve to be paid. That is horrible and terrible and unacceptable officiating. And that's the kind of crap and that egos that needs to end with officials. There's something that I don't know if you guys know, but officials get paid. I don't know... The most I ever made as official was 20 a game. And uh, to tell y'all the truth, there were some times where I officiated and I I didn't renew my license. And I was still good to officiate because I had a patch. So uh, I don't know who that's going to help or if that's going to cause any problems. But um, we got to always remember, too, that refs are people, too. 
Um, they're trying to make a living a little bit. But I just think to help the game, if we're trying to help the game, then this is what we need to do big time because there's too many times or too many inconsistencies. I understand you got to play through it, but there's times where it's just crazy. Like Brandon just said, there's too many things that are uh, extra, very extra. They're trying to do their show. They're trying to make sure they get seen. They're trying to make sure that you know who has the power. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing that I think a problem is, is especially with big schools, I believe that somehow, some way, if the kid's not going to make it and there's a massive tryout, you know, you need to tell them straight up. Don't let them go through the whole thing. Don't let them waste their time. You know, don't let them come to open gym and ruin the open gym. You need to be up front from the get-go. Or, you know, you, they, you see them on the circuit. Let them know, like, hey, do this and this, and you might have a chance to make the team. It's not favoritism or anything, but it's like these these college the, – whoa, I'm sorry, not college. These high school coaches have a job. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, their job is to win games. There's a lot of coaches that don't win a lot of games. A few years later, they get fired. But, you know, they can't really work with certain players or know um, – they can't control their team as much, I, I want to say. They always have influx of bummy players, you know, guys that just play at the Y, that aren't very good, that can't dribble left, that can't dribble right. They pay money to go on an AAU team. And that's a whole other topic. They do all kinds of stuff. They ride the bench for other teams and think they're really good. When they come in, they don't get any buckets. They don't do anything. They can't sit. And they're just ruining your open gym. Like, I really think there should be something where um, there's a – coach that says hey look I'm gonna be up front I don't want you to waste your time you could be do something better you can go to other things other extracurriculars you're not gonna make it no matter what you do you're not gonna make it that also I know Brandon doesn't like the transfer rule but that gives you a chance to you know explore your options if everybody's up front about you with everything because if you're going to that trial and you don't know what's going on it's kind of tough well right well like situations like that right you like you go to the ice like my uh my example was or what I want to see happen is you go and you go to the meeting or you write your statement or whatever and like that's fine like mm-hmm. the coach tells yeah. you you're probably not going to make it so fine you write your paper and you say the coach probably says I'm not going to make it and I'm going to transfer I think that's perfectly fine the problem I have is when the player's getting minutes and like there's some issue or some something that happens between the coaches and the players and like you get in a fight and you're like oh I can't deal with it and I leave so the player doesn't learn how to deal with any kind of adversity and there's tons of adversity in basketball and there's tons of adversity in life and I don't think you teach the kids anything when you get in one little fight maybe if you're playing and you're like oh I'm done with this coach I'm transferring I don't th- I don't think that helps anybody um then how do you feel about um I had another thing in my head that was it was huge. Oh, coaches being up front, like I said earlier. How do you feel about like coaches that aren't being up front? They'll just give you a, you know, a very vague answer. So like if I'm asking you, uh, let's say you're asking me, <clears throat> what can I do to get better or what can I do to uh, play? You're like play hard. Just go out there and you know, just play hard and do the little things <laughs> like you're not helping him no you're not helping him at all tell him exactly what he has to do tell him he can't go left tell him he doesn't have a floater tell him that he's too small and that he needs to work on his range so he can get guarded out farther or something he needs to work on his shot tell him up straight up so they know because if you go out there and you say if you play hard and you play smart and you dive on the floor you can play and of course you need those guys on the court but 
Brandon can tell you in college, at all levels, all levels of college, that's expected from the yeah, get go. That's already expected. That's expected. If that's your if that's your number one skill there, that's your strength. You're not a like you're. That's just expected. And I, I understand it's high school, you know. But again, we're trying to promote the game. We want to see skill. I love seeing skill. I love seeing big dudes that can dribble, little guards that can post, uh, big guards coming off other big guards or bigs running pick and roll. I like seeing some guys post up, doing moves, having footwork. Doing being able to dribble, not being liabilities on defense. But notice I didn't say, oh, I love how that guy just gets on the floor. Like, because we're not, we're playing basketball, That's man. That's what everyone should do. Yeah, we're playing basketball, man. <laughs> Coaches, tell these kids up front, like, yo, you want to play it for me? Learn to shoot. Yeah. Okay, cool. You learned how to shoot, learn how to dribble. If you don't develop fast enough, you can't play. Because at the end of the day, I got a job. My job is to win games at the high school level, and to make sure I keep producing that consistently, just like your job is to consistently have the same good grades in high school or something, you know? And I just don't like how coaches just kind of go around the bush. They always say some stuff. One of my friends, our friend Coach Chase, he's a real coach, man. He he coaches at Canterbury High School, um, and he'll tell you straight up what you need to work on, what you what – He's always open door policy. He'll tell you straight up. It might hurt. It's raw. It's unfiltered. Trust me, I've told my kids multiple times with a lot of curse words, a lot of everything about what they can do if they ask me straight up. And I'm gonna be like, I tell them, I give them a disclaimer. I'm like, look, I'll be really honest if you want me to, and I'll tell you. And it might hurt, but it might fuel your fire, right? Like Brandon. Let's give Brandon an example. This man used to suck. He's all. He's a. He's a second team All American. Let me tell y'all. And then. then and then this this year in the tournament, his NAIA division, all conference, yeah. yeah, all conference. I'm sorry, but he was all American in uh, his uh, in the tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he was averaging. This man was averaging like 26, shooting 53 from the field, 60 percent from three, hitting three step backs. He's never done this. He's over exaggerating. He's never. <laughs> he's never done this. Let me tell you guys something. Let me tell y'all a story. This man, sophomore year, couldn't shoot 15 feet out, catch and shoot. He was stiff. So if you want to get, I'll give you all a comparison. If you look in the NBA right now and you saw Boris Diaw out there, I don't know if y'all know who that is. Let's say Jared Dudley. And you think of Jared Dudley mixed with Boban. That is, that is Brandon. Boban's stiffness, mobility, but Dudley's skill set. Like size, I mean, skill set now a little bit. He can dribble a little bit and do other things, but that that Brandon was a very stiff player that just got slowly better. He he asked what he got to get better at. He worked hard for Homestead. He played JV two years, freshman team, then JV, then varsity. He practiced against Caleb Biggie Swan again. Shout out Purdue. Um, shout out to uh, the Kings. He's on the Kings right now. He played against a lot of great players and gave them buckets because he kept working because we told him straight up he needs to learn how to shoot. He got to eventually learn how to dribble. He's a six-foot-six guard, really. He needs to have some type of guard skill set, but he's still also his same stiff, unorthodox self that throws people off. But when you got a guy that has a high motor and he can do little fades that he's never been able to do, and you know he's got his game plan on him, but he's he's getting better and working on stuff, it's it's a tough cover. Like, man, it's a very tough cover. 
Well, I, well, I mean, listen, like you, you said it spot on. I had coaches that were honest and real with me. I mean, when you th- think well, he talked about Chase and also Indy, like Indy will keep it real with you, man. And sometimes he'll talk smack and he'll try to feel your fire. But that actually helped me, man. He'll tell you straight up what you got to work on. And Chase is the same way. And Chris Johnson's the same way. Yeah. You talk about open gyms and stuff. If you, you're this one-time shower, like you haven't been, you haven't been to the conditioning and you, you just want to show up and play one day johnson will come up to you and be like where you been yeah why are you here yeah and i think more coaches need to be on that like this is this is high school basketball this is like a lot of these high school this high school basketball stuff is prep for college and i think we need to focus more on that especially as a city that we're trying to be um we're trying to be more effective in that college uh, recruiting area we're getting a lot more media which is helping so i mean this basketball thing like it's for real and yeah. there's le- if you want to like just play basketball for fun sure like sure you can be on the team but you got to work hard mm-hmm. you can't just be out there bsing mm-hmm. there's leagues you can go to the y or there's a bunch of rex leagues if you just want to have fun and just just kind of BS around. but You want to drop 40? Go ahead, drop 40 with a right. game that doesn't mean anything, you know? Right, but like if this basketball thing is becoming for real, for real, because there's media, and there's coaching, there's scholarships on the line. Uh, so you need coaches like that that are straight up and will tell you what you need to work on. And when those coaches tell you what you need to work on, you should probably go work on it. It's, yeah, it's, sure. This isn't just an all-talk thing. you got to actually do so I think that's super important, man, is to have people in your life that'll keep it real with you. You can't you can have all your fans and your people who tell you all the positives. That's your mom usually. It was yeah. my mom. Yeah. Which you need those people too to keep your head up when, when you have a bad game or something. But you also need those people to, to keep it real with you so you can get better. Yeah, and the biggest part about keeping it real is just like you gotta know when to balance it too. You gotta be rough on them, you gotta be real. That the shit talk that happens, like it's for a reason. Like today, for instance, I, yeah, I shit talk one of the one good player in Fort Wayne. His name's Dylan Duff. Um, he plays at Snyder High School. There was, it might have cost this game, it might have not. But there was, uh, I miscommunicated it. I said he can't shoot. I meant to mean like late contest the shot instead of we live, we play this defense where if you can't shoot and you're not very good. We leave you open. There's no point in guarding. You don't be on the court. Anyways, I said we live. I meant to say late contest. One of our players... Let him catch the ball at the top of the key and just shoot. He missed his first one a while ago, but this is in the second half. He hit it. He heard me scream, like, let him shoot. And again, I said it wrong, and he smacks it all net, turns around, looks at me, points at me. I give him props. He exposed me. I love being exposed. It don't matter. I like exposing players. They like exposing me. Like, it's fun yeah. because you got to earn the respect, man. You, you, Like, there's some guys that they think they're so good, then all of a sudden you leave them one-on-one wide open. They can't do anything. They're scared that they get really, really scared. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm going on the tangent, but uh, – it's just crazy, man, like all the other things that we should change here. How do you feel about coaches uh, running plays, like just to run plays with no other options versus uh, 
just playing ball, man. How do you feel about that? Like, I know sometimes we have plays and sets, but we always have multiple um, options in our sets. I know there's sometimes when you want to get a certain look, but sometimes I, I go to these games and these mugs are just running plays because coach said to run the play, and we just looking like we're robots out there mm-hmm. just because we want to show out for this other guy that we can run the play. How do you feel about that? Like, mm-hmm. how do you feel that balance should be? Well, exactly. You said it right. I said this to a player today in one of our games. I'm not going to call Matt specifically, but I he was we called a play. I don't remember what play it was, but he caught he caught at the top of the key and he was looking looking at the flare screen, but when he caught the ball, his defender left him. Mm, and, I remember. Yeah. And he left him wide open. He could have drove, he could have shot, but he was running the play mm-hmm. and just passed the ball even though he was wide open like sure we called out the play, but you got to make a you got to be a basketball player. You can't be a robot out yeah. there, man. You got to make a, a If you're open, and it's in the middle of the play, we want you shooting that. Mm-hmm. And some coaches don't want you shooting that, which drives mm-hmm. me crazy. I think we got to let these players make reads. I think that's what it's about. At the next level, that's Playing all it ball. is. That's Playing all it ball. is, is playmaking and making reads. But I, there's definitely got to be that balance, man. I mean, obviously there's times where you're you're just playing basketball and hooping and you're not getting buckets. So sure, the coach calls a set or something mm-hmm. and to get us back on track. But I really think a lot of these coaches need to – let these players play more and then set you you're supposed to have plays. I mean that's mm-hmm. what it's about, man. You got to expose defenses sometimes. Sometimes a play is needed, but there's definitely got to be that balance. There's got to be both. You can't call plays the whole game and yeah. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell y'all coaches something. The play not going to get you a bucket. The person that's going to get you a bucket is the player. Exactly. The, you exactly. can run play A B C D E F G, but you got if you got player F down there that's terrible, G that's terrible, or they're broke and they're not making shots, you can't do anything about it. The dude could be wide open. There's a lot of great plays out there, a lot, YouTube, everywhere, but you're not putting the ball in the hole. You're just getting the best opportunity you can. The player can't make it, you know. It's tough. It's very tough out here. It's just crazy to me because there's a lot of players – or a lot of coaches that just there's they have a lot of talent. Let's say there's a team in this area. See, I'm not affiliated with any school, so I can say what I want. Brandon went to Homestead. I went to Carroll. I played a year, but uh, Carroll. I love Carroll, man. I love Carroll. They had a great recruiting John McKeeman. They had a great recruiting David Ezra. They don't let him play. You, Dan, you said his oh, brother. Oh, Dan <laughs> McKeown. I'm sorry. John used to play at Purdue. He was in my class. But he was he was a walk-on, but he was a pretty solid, man. Pretty solid, smart guy. Um, I'm sorry, but they had a lot of talent. A lot of talent every year. They had a guy that was uh, all Indiana. His state here, Kyle Mallers. Yeah. Um, they had guys that transferred away because they wanted to hoop. They didn't want to play that bullshit. I'm telling you. They talking about that swing. They play five guys. They got, they got five, guy, five guys on the court. Only three of them know how to hoop. The other two are out there for setting screens, rebounding hard, diving on the floor. And I don't know. I don't know what the system's like anymore. But that's why I see Homestead sometimes. There's guys that aren't that good, but, like, they're out there on the floor and just – you know, just doing some bullshit. So it's just like, what were we talking about? <laughs> man, I'm... I'm Play, man, plays man. versus hooping. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I've, it's been a long day. But, like, there's guys out there that just are robots. And I've always told these kids. I, I talk to these homestead kids all the time. I'm like, you kill at the Y. You're just hooping. But when the, when the court 
is bleachers out there and your girls are out there and your your fam's out there and the lights are on and then there's three officials, not two, three, and they're doing that triangle. You ain't playing ball no more. You're scared. And the be- I think the best players are and coaches are the ones that know how to run a set but also know when to make reads. Because if you can make reads, you're unguardable. If you can just make a certain read, it's like Brandon said, it's at every level. You can get buckets. You can do well. And then you can play within the coach's system. And the coach will always love that. Right? He'll always love that. Let me defend uh, Beasley and Johnson for a second, too, though, before you – before you keep going, uh, I yeah, have man, to... don't give them these tidbits and be like, "Oh, Indy's saying this and that, man." Mm. I don't need no problems, but I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, everybody got their own opinion. Yeah, and I have a little different one, but I mean, you, that's what basketball and sports are about. You disagree? I, I, I'm gonna defend Beasley and Johnson and and coaches like that. Uh, obviously, we've seen both of them have been successful, but I've also seen situations where. A player will come up and be like, "Well, well, well, uh, Beasley or Johnson told me to do this. I can't do this and this." And then I'll I'll be talk I'll talk to Johnson and Beasley, and he'll be like, "I never said that." So there's all there's all so, <laughs> kids are lying out yeah, here, man. So like kids are lying just because they're scared of the big stage and stuff too. Like, so I don't think we should always be the first to blame the coaches too, man. Like, I mean, obviously we we're grown people and we can't be like on social media and coming right. at players and stuff, right. but. But we definitely need to lay out these coaches a little bit, too. Let me get on one more thing. What about these – there's coaches that just let mugs hoop. Your Fort Wayne inner city schools, you know, your, your, your schools that aren't very good. Right, and we and see they how got successful good they so, haven't been. Yeah, and they just go 33 and freaking 15. They shouldn't <laughs> even make sectionals, you know what I mean? Like, everybody makes sectionals, but they shouldn't because they're that bad. Because all they do is hoop. I can find, sometimes I can find better runs at the Y. Or your LA Fitness or Lifetime Fitness, whatever. Like, there's runs at the Y that are ten times better than these high school games that are just bogus. Like, they're out there doing OC stuff. I've never, this is like they don't practice. It's like they just roll the ball out ready to play. So, again, like like I said, it's, it, it's got to be a balance between structure and skill set and being able to make plays. Um and now it goes back to shot clock, I think, as as the speed of the game goes up, everybody gets better, skill sets get better. Um, is there anything else that you think that should be changed in the game in the area? Anything big? Oh, I got one big thing. I got one big thing. Y'all mixtapes that are uh I mean, I got a mixtape on my YouTube page. I can't really hate. I mean, I'm at the Y. <laughs> I'm killing. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, yo, man, if you're not killing for your team, I know you, we in that social media age. We just want likes and stuff, but you have it. Have fun with it. Be cool, but like we gotta know when to stop gassing ourselves. Stay confident, but you know, be realistic too. Don't be thinking like, oh no, cap. I'm cold as hell. But then y'all come watch a game. You owe for twenty four. <laughs> I've seen then, it all the time. <laughs> and then you talking about I'm gonna go off for twenty. You can't even get ten shots up. How you gonna go off for twenty? You know what I'm saying, kids? Like. Kids, you guys got to be, if you got that swagger and you got that game, just let it show. The media will come. Okay? Again, like I said, I got my own stuff. We all want to hype each other, hype hype ourselves up and get lit. I'm not saying it's wrong, but, like, we got to be real sometimes, right? You know, we got to be real. But anyways, back to what, uh, let me see if Brandon's got anything else. Uh, 
I'm trying to think, man. I, I don't think so. And, like, I'm sure there's stuff I can't think of at the top of my head. But I think the shot clock's definitely the most important right now, and we need to take a look at it. I got a question for Brandon for y'all. Here it is. So when, when I, remember when I told y'all a story about Brandon Suck, let me, let me ask B, who, uh, who used to win in ones a lot? <laughs> who used to win a lot? It was a lot back I'm, then. Uh, I'm, I'm On record. I will never tell you you beat me. <laughs> Let's be, let, let me tell you guys this. I was six. I'm six foot. Then I'm probably was like 230, 240. <laughs> and he was getting bust. Listen, I've hand never up, been known as a great up, defender, though. Hand up. And the, I'm scoring. I'm doing the same foot jabs. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And then it came point one year where he just bust my ass. Now it's kind of <laughs> equal. Sometimes he bust my ass. But it's, I mean, he, he still go at me. But there's times where I'm, I'm warm, too. But, like, there was a time he didn't win a game for almost the whole summer. <laughs> we had played multiple games and he keep going and going and going and sometimes that's all it takes to get better get your ass bust listen if you want to watch one of our ones go to my IGTV you can see me be indie hey but if you want to see some cold highlights go ahead and go ahead and go to my page listen, really it's indie, he likes though. to crop out all his highlights he has some low lights if you want to go to the full see I'm a full film kind of guy am I 0 and 5 though like Kyle Lowry no am I am I I didn't think so um <laughs> NBA playoffs are going on right now. Um, we're currently watching the Houston Rockets game. They're getting smacked. There's been games. Uh, the Jazz are getting smacked. Yeah, the Jazz are getting smacked. Sorry. Um, there's also uh, been a lot of upsets this year so far, like Toronto loss, um, Philly loss. So let me ask you, uh, out of those uh, big upsets, what do you think is the biggest one? I definitely say the Nets over the the 76ers, man. I, I that shocked me. I've heard some people say it through media, but I didn't believe it, but now that it actually happened, I was shook. That 76ers team has way too much talent to be fooling around with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is cold, Chris but Karis LeVert, yeah, he's good. Like they have some Dim good Whitty. players, but the talent is His, He plays like Dudley now, so I mean, <laughs> you think he'd like the Nets, but the the, the talent is there's a definitely a gap, and the 76ers should be beating the Nets pretty handily. Ben Simmons is not a point guard. He stays in that dunker spot and chills. Okay, you make sh- he can't shoot outside 15 feet. He shoots shots right-handed. He lefty. If he shoots it left, it's already off. But he dribbles left. Just want y'all to know. Um, I think the biggest surprise is actually Toronto making all these trades, tra- getting rid of their coach. I mean, their coach just got blasted. Their old coach. From from um, the Bucks by the Bucks, they're at the Pistons right now. They lost by they trailed by almost forty six points in the NBA first round playoffs. That's crazy to me. I really think that Toronto went all in on it and they realized the problem was Kyle. No, I'm just playing. He hopefully bounces back, but man, they lose that next game. It's gonna be a big off season because they know they want Kawhi. Marcus is on the contract, stuff like that. That's really my biggest upset right now. Um, what do you think about uh, what do you think about uh, first round predictions as far as who's gonna come out? I can pull it up for you right now. I'll give you the whole series, but. Uh, well, Let's go uh, Nets and Sixers. Who do you got? Who do you think is going to win that series? I mean, and then what? You know, how many games? I mean, after watching the first, I mean, I didn't, we were at AAU, so I didn't get to really watch the full games, but I saw highlights and stuff like that. 
from all the games because I love I love some basketball. So I went and back and watched all the highlights from the games. But after watching the highlights from that, I I mean the Seventy Sixers have way too much talent. They're going to win the series. I think they win it in six. Okay, I I I, I can see that, but I'm really going to go with the Nets in six. I'm going with the Nets. They they're going to lose the next one out at uh, the Sixers, but they're going to win two straight at home. And then next thing you know, they're going to take care of business. What about uh, Toronto and the Magic? The, the Toronto's the same way, man. I mean, they have a lot more talent, but they just struggle in the playoffs, man. I think I think they get by this round. I'm going to say in seven games, it's going to be a real grind. But they their playoff struggles, man, it's it's crazy. I I I think Magic got a good good win. I think it might they might get two games. So I believe uh, that means they're gonna win it in six. Toronto is gonna win it in six. Is my goal or is my prediction? Because I mean, again, they're talented. Kawhi is gonna do his things. Kyle Lowry is not gonna go over five. They got Danny Green. They got bench help. Fred VanVleet. Pascal Siakam, they got help out the ass. If you can name me another Magic player besides Vujicic. Besides the starting five and Mo Bamba and Markel Fultz, then, like, you must be a true fan, but they're not that good. Nobody knows them. Terrence Ross is good. Shout out Terrence Ross. Um, Celtics Pacers. I bet that's kind of the hardest ones. I mean, the Pacers are a pretty solid team, but, man, I think they got smoked today. A uh, 10-point game. They outscored 26-8 in the third quarter. How do you feel about that series? Um, I mean, Victor Oladipo being hurt. <laughs> I mean, that that's huge. Shout out, Vic. Get his album. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Uh, I'm going Celtics in four. Sweep. Uh, I think the broom's coming out as well. Celtics mm-hmm. getting it. Kyrie's going to sweep them, and then uh, um, Kyrie's probably going to ride that broom somewhere. <laughs> Bucks Pistons, what do you think? Uh, after watching that, this is not a series at all. They're going to be a bunch of blowouts. Bucks and four sweep again. Sweep again. That means the Pistons don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Giannis, they took away Dwayne Wade's playoff spot. The Pistons did, by the way. But Giannis is going to bring that broom straight from Greece. Give him a full Euro plate. Brush it off. Make sure they go to the next round. All right, Western Conference. We got uh, Golden State and Clippers. What do you think? Warriors and four. I, I mean, easy, man. Yeah, easy. That's, that's another sweep. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't think the Warriors are gonna win it all, or if you don't think the Warriors are gonna sweep them, or maybe go, you know, four one, you're crazy. Yeah. Something's wrong with you. You're you're just mad at L A. Your real Laker team lost, so you had to second bandwagon these Clippers. Okay, <laughs> don't say you like Lou Will because you didn't like Lou Will. You didn't know Lou Will and Sixers. You don't know him. So stop. <laughs> Okay. What about the Rockets Jazz? Currently going on, they're lo- Jazz are losing. Uh, Jazz are losing pretty handily right now, but I definitely think this is the best first round series just based Ooh, on talent. Best. And so I I like this this series right here. The Jazz are interesting to me, but again, Harden's in the MVP conversation. They got a ton of talent. I'm going to go Rockets in 7 though cuz I like Utah what they do defensively. I'm going to go Rockets in 6. You know, Utah Jazz has a great home fan base, despite what had happened. You know, they love their team as much as they love um, Jimmer Fredette. They love Jimmer. They love everybody. Um, But 
the Rockets have too much talent. When they got Kenneth Fareed, man, they, they knew why they hit him early after Clint Capella came back. They didn't want people to game plan against that. And it's clearly showing you they can't guard anybody. Um, what about Portland OKC? I literally like this one. Okay, yeah, this one this one might be might be in the conversation too. Um I I think the Thunder have a really good chance to make the Western Conference Finals. Um I know they didn't look good today. Uh PG has really struggled in the playoffs throughout his career, but I mean he was in the MVP conversation this year. Russ is Russ. I know a lot of people hate Russ. I'm not a huge fan of his game, but I mean he's an elite player. Um I am going to go Thunder in six, though. I, I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to win their next game and both at home. And then they're going to be in the driver's seat in this series. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say big games from PG. Russell Westbrook's going to do what he does. And I think the Thunder end up pulling this out and make a huge turnaround. This is a tough one for me because I am a fan of all these players. And uh, I listen to CJ McCollum's pull-up podcast. Go ahead and check that out. And I really like the Portland Trailblazers um, as a fan. But, you know, ever since I watched them lose in the first round when I had high hopes, I was really disappointed. I really hope they can pull it out. I, I don't want my emotions to get in this. But um, PG's not very – I mean, he's good, man. He He's not as clutch sometimes. He gets better. I mean, Russ gets a triple-double. Nobody talks about it. So you're clearly not that good. I'm just playing. But I'm really going to have to go with Portland in seven. Portland in seven. It's going to be a great series. Hopefully whoever um, makes it out um, of that gets to the Western Conference Finals because that's a very interesting matchup. The last matchup we have is Denver Nuggets and the San Antonio Spurs. I actually got to watch this full game last night, and uh, the Nuggets didn't play well. Um, they're they're new to this playoff thing, so it's going to take them a second to adjust. But I love Jokic, and I love their guards that they have. And I think they end up pulling this series out in 6-2. Okay. I love the Nuggets. I love Isaiah Thomas. He's a great player. I lo- Gary Harris is from Indianapolis. Um, rest in peace, Nip, because Isaiah Thomas loves Nip, so the marathon always continues. But this marathon for the Nuggets might end early. The Spurs are underrated. Let me tell y'all. Bren Forbes and uh, Robert White, Cole gets buckets. And Greg Pop is an OG coach. I really think the Spurs are going to win it in six. Win it in six. Um, That's our first round predictions. You know, we're probably going to, as the playoffs continue, you know, each round, we're probably going to continue on and keep you guys updated with certain stuff. Um... That'll be the end of the podcast. I hope you guys are uh, tuning in next time we have it. And uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe. You can find me at Really It's Indie on all social media handles except for my Facebook. Um, if you want my Facebook, just hit me up on social media. I guess I can give it to you. Uh, Brandon, what about you? How can they find you? Uh, I'm on every social media page. I'm also around in Fort Wayne. Uh, on the weekends, and I'll be back. I I always What's show your, my face. Uh, my social media is just my name, Brandon Durnell, no spaces. Uh, so it's really easy. You can find me. I'm approachable. You can message me. I'll talk hoop with anybody. If you have any questions or anything, you just let me know. I want to be super available. I'm not sure how many times I'm going to uh, do podcasts. I don't know if it's going to be weekly, bi-weekly. Or hopefully, I can do it after we uh, have some tournaments so I can give you guys some insight on how Total Package Elite 2021 is doing. 
Okay, um, we're gonna go through a bunch of topics. I'll let you guys know it's always gonna be about hoop. Everything's gonna be great, and I hope the next podcast you come, uh, you come to, you enjoy and have some laughs and get some insight. Until then, uh, be sure and be ready to run it back. Okay, make sure you run it back the whole podcast, or make sure you just run it back right to the channel. Subscribe. There will be a YouTube channel coming up soon. You'll see us talking. We'll be at some different locations, have different guests on as well. Um, sometimes Brandon won't be here. It might just be me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I don't have anything else to say. Brandon, thank you for coming. Yeah. I appreciate you. He's gonna be here a lot, like I said, and uh, don't forget to uh, run it back.